Well, we are continuing and closing out our series today, Pressed and Pulled. What do we do when we are pressed for time and pulled in every direction? This has just been a great series as we enter into the fall season. And just, it's, everyone is so busy right now. And we wonder, how do we manage that busyness? How do we manage our time? How do we manage our money? How do we make good decisions in light of this feeling of being pressed and being pulled? And we've discovered that if we ask a key question, it so greatly helps us to filter out good decisions from bad decisions. And that key question is simply this, is this pleasing to God? That the question that helps me make right decisions isn't, does this make me feel good? Is this what I want to do? Is this what would make me happy? Is this what would make my family happy? That the question we need to ask is, is this pleasing to God? And we get this question out of a scripture that we've been reading every week to start off every message in this series. So we're going to do that once again this week. And that scripture is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 through 17. So let's read this aloud together. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 13. One verse today, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Kind of one of the other weird things that's happened out of this message series is we've been reading a lot out of uh, translations that aren't the New Living Translation. If you're a core church regular, you know we kind of like the New Living Translation. But we've been branching out, and it's been okay. Some of us have been uncomfortable, but it's all right. We've been exploring new translations of the Bible. So we're actually going to be reading out of the New American Standard Version today. So if you're a new version, you can go up top there and just pick the New American Standard Version. Um, if you have a paper Bible, then I, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to trust that this is what it says in the New American Standard. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this chance that we have, God, to hear from you. Lord, as we fight this battle of being pressed and pulled, God, we look to the truth of your word today to tell us how to get through this, God. And I pray today, Lord, that you would just resharpen our focus, that you would resharpen our priorities, God, and that you would help us to hear from you. And if you guys are ready to hear from God today. Can I get a big amen? Amen. You can be seated. So I recently celebrated my uh, 36th birthday uh, just a few weeks ago. And um, so what that means now that I'm 36 is that to some of you in the room, I am still really young. But to a lot more of you in the room, I am actually now really old. And so I've hit this weird divide at 36 where I'm kind of halfway in the middle. And so one of the things that has kind of become a tradition in our family uh, for my birthday is we go out to eat, and um, it's usually my mom and my mother-in-law, and we go out to dinner together. And man, I love my family, uh, love my folks, and I have a good mother-in-law, but it's, can, I, can we just be honest? Some of you guys will totally relate to me on this. When you get your mom and your mother-in-law together in the same room, I mean, awkwardness is just bound to happen. You can't avoid it. You can't run from it. You might as well just embrace it because it's going to happen. And this dinner is no exception, but it was great. You know, we had a great time. Kids got to see their grandmas, and it was all good. And so afterwards, because, you know, the party's just hopping, we got to move the party somewhere else, right? And so my mom has just got this new house, 
and she wanted my mother-in-law to come over to see the house because my mother-in-law has not seen the house, right? So we're like, okay, cool. We're going to move the party over to grandma's house. And so we're getting all, everyone's loading up, and uh, we get in the car, and my mother-in-law's headed to her car. Now, need to know this about my mother-in-law. She is not very mobile. Um, she's got some physical handicaps that keep her. She does not move around very well at all, folks. So she is, she's walking out to her car. You know, she's following us, and so we can't leave yet. So I'm watching her walk out to the car, then all of a sudden, I heard Pitbull and Kesha going because she was going down, she was yelling timber. And <laughs> Tiffany Pinnell caught that joke, thank you, thank you, got my back. So she, she falls, and so I bolt out, of, you know, I get out, run out, I do not mosey, I run out of the car towards her and um, see that she's, she's in pain, but it was obviously, uh, it was real clear by the way she fell. She had tripped over her feet and she'd kind of fallen real awkwardly and she's crying out. And then, so by this point, a crowd is starting to gather around my mother-in-law and I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I grab, I grab her, her purse and this, this lady comes up and man, she is like super sweet. She like kneels down, like is petting her hair. It's like, oh, sweetie, it's gonna be okay. And other people are gathering and they're like wanting to move her. And she's like, no, no one move her. And, and I'm like, okay, you clearly know what you're doing. I'm going to let you be in charge right now. I'm just going to stand here and hold the purse. And so, um, you know, she's, she's in pain. She's like, oh, what's wrong? My, my arm, my arm. And so, um, you know, she's like, okay, we need to call 911. Now, I ran out of the car. I don't have my phone on me, okay? The only person in this crowd that's now gathered around my mother-in-law that has a phone is a teenager. Now, if you're a teenager here, God bless you guys. I mean, I love you, but this, this one is about as bad as it could go. So the teenager picks up the phone, he dials 911, and I, I kid you not, not exaggerating, this is how this phone call goes. Uh, yeah, uh, we're like at the parking lot, and uh, some lady fell. Uh, I think she's kind of hurt. Uh, we need like a, an ambulance or something. Um, uh, like the parking lot, there's like a hot dog place nearby, and uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, she's like old. Um, <laughs> kid you not, this is how that conversation goes. And so I'm like yelling at this kid, and I'm like, of course, the one time I don't have my meal, I said, no, we're at this intersection, and you know. And so ambulance shows up, and uh, you know, they, they get her loaded up and, and, and in the ambulance, and um, so we, we all, um, you know, get loaded back up too, so trying to figure out, you know how this, try to figure out the logistics, okay, who's gonna do what, who's gonna go where, all that kind of stuff. And in the meantime, while all this is happening, my mom, because we're supposed to go to her house, you know, we have to tell her what's going on. So she decides to come back because I don't know if she's going to lend some sort of guidance or leadership in this situation. I don't know why she came back, but she comes back. And so we pull out, you get her loaded up, we pull out of the parking lot and get ready to head out. We, and just kind of one of those deals where you look back and you, you're expecting to see the ambulance, you know, like pulling out of the parking lot too, lights flashing and all this stuff. And I just remember thinking like, that's funny, the ambulance isn't here. So I come to find out, guys, come to find out my mom had come back into the parking lot, and she stopped the ambulance from leaving. So just picture this little five-foot Asian woman. My mom was full Korean. Five-foot Asian woman running after an ambulance in a parking lot, pounding on the door so she can check on my mother-in-law. She is pounding on it. Like, I just imagined this going down, running after it, pounding on the door, roll down. Ma'am, what's wrong? She's leaning in. Bonnie, you okay? Bonnie, you fall? Bonnie, you go to my house another time then. Okay. Okay, Bonnie. Thank you. You know, I just imagine how this is going down. 
the ambulance. I just, I still can't even put it together in my head. Like, guys, if, if I get into a life-threatening medical emergency, man, I pray to God it is not at the family function. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Daniel, you've just been shot. Looks over at my mom. No, I'm good to drive. It's fine. We'll just go. So when it comes to being pressed and pulled in our life, I think we can make the mistake that my mom made in that God sends us a source of rescue, that God sends us something that he intends to be a rescue and a hope in our situation. But just like my mom, God bless her, that's, that's the, the southern covering for, you know, just like my mom, God bless her, that she um, stopped the ambulance, she stopped the thing that was the rescue for that situation and for that moment, that oftentimes when we get pressed and we get pulled, we will stop or we will interfere with or we will hinder the thing in our life that God sent to be the source of rescue for us. And we looked at that over the last few weeks. In the first week, we talked about how when we get pressed and we get pulled, that we push the things of God off to the side, that we just got done talking about how Jesus is our hope. But church, don't you know that when we get pressed and we get pulled, that all of a sudden our faith gets pushed to the sidelines as we get busier and busier. And last week, man, what an incredible message as Rocky shared about what it's like to have an eternal mindset and that kingdom investment mindset. But don't you know when we get pressed and we get pulled, those things, the spending money wisely and that eternity mindset can get pushed to the side and it becomes all about what makes me feel good and what makes me feel good in that moment. And God sent these things for us, He's our faith and, and what we do with our money. He sent things into our life that were meant to be a rescue and meant to be a help for us. But when we get pressed and we get pulled, we push those things. We interfere with them. We say no to them. We stop them. We hinder them from happening, just like my mom did with the ambulance. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how when we get pressed and pulled in our relationships with our friends and with our family, how we can push those things to the side. But it's in those relationships, I believe, that God sent those to be a source of rescue for us, to be a source of encouragement for us, to be a source of strength for us. But it's so easy for, for us to take relationships and to take our friends, to take our family for granted, especially as things get busy, especially as we get stressed out, especially as we have so many other things going on in our life and in our mind, like for Example, at that dinner, it was just another family dinner. It was just another time like we've done the year before and the year before that where we got together and we had dinner with my mother and my mother-in-law. And what it took for me to really engage in that, that moment and at that dinner was for a crisis to happen. And I think for all of us, we understand that sometimes when crisis happens, oh, yeah, man, I'm here for you. I'm here for you when, you know, you, you're going through that loss. I'm here for you when this happens. But it why does it take a crisis for us to really engage in relationships? I think God wants more out of relationships for us. And I would think God wants more, that, that relationships can be so much more than that. And if we will take the time to invest in them in the day-to-day and not just wait for crisis, not just wait for the, the bottom to drop out, not just wait for catastrophe to happen, but when we experience in the day-to-day the encouragement that a relationship can bring, that, man, that's when God can do real work in our hearts, but isn't it so easy to take these things for granted? Isn't it so easy to take people and and all these things for granted? I think that happens because we make some deadly assumptions when it comes to our relationships, that we make assumptions that are, are so natural and so easy to do, but we make these assumptions and they are just death 
to our relationships. And I want to go over a few of those with you. One of the assumptions that I feel like we make when it comes to our relationships is we assume that our relationships are indestructible. We assume that our relationships are indestructible. We assume, man, my family knows what I'm going through right now. I'm really tired. I'm really stressed. They understand why I'm not there. They understand how busy I am. My friends, man, they know why we're not getting together. It's okay. They're going to be there. You know what? My, fam- my family's not going anywhere. It's like Brad joking, you know, a few weeks ago. It's like, where's, Laura's not going anywhere. She's 30 years in. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not in enough in my marriage where I would dare say that yet. You know, I understand that my wife's still young and pretty, and she, she has options, so I'm not going to blaspheme like that in the house of the Lord, you know. But we, but we can make those assumptions. Man, my kids are always going to be there. You know, that relationships are in destructible. Because of that, you know, we can say, well, I'll put in that time some other time, or I'll do that thing some other time. But, but it doesn't take much, you know, that some of you, you've experienced the fallout of, of losing a friend or losing a relationship. And so oftentimes that can happen because we make the assumption that that relationship's always going to be there. And we assume that it's indestructible. See, what happens when we assume that relationships are indestructible is we end up taking people for granted. We end up taking people for granted. They're always going to be there. They're always going to be in my life. Nothing, nothing's going to destroy our relationship. And because of that, we slack off and we let off the gas of working and putting time into that relationship, and we see the end of that. Another assumption that we make when it comes to our relationships is we can assume that our relationships are infinite, that I'm always going to have time. A couple of weeks ago in Creative Session, Pastor Brad was talking about um, you know, his kids being grown and out of the house. And I just remembered feeling like that's never going to happen for me. I have three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And it just feels like I'm always going to have young kids. Like this stage of my life is going to last forever. Like intellectually, I know that that's not true. But man, you hook me up to a lie detector and I'm not going to pass it. It feels like this time is always going to be here. That is pretty much infinite, but there's such a danger in assuming that I have an infinite amount of time to work on relationships, because what can happen is I can say, well, I'm going to go on that date night next week. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to my kids next ball game. You know what? I'm going to go to core group next time, or I'll sign up for a core group next season. We assume that those relationships and that time that we have for them is always going to be there, but we know that relationships and life It's not infinite, that there is a set time that we have to make the most of. See, when we assume that relationships are infinite, what can happen is we take time for granted. So we we know relationships, we assume relationships, man, they're indestructible, they're infinite. The last deadly assumption I think that we can make about relationships is we, we can assume that some relationships are inconsequential. Try saying that word three times fast. I'm like, (laughs) some relationships are inconsequential. That, you know, I, you know, I don't spend time with that person because I don't get much out of it. I don't go to group because, oh, it doesn't do much for me, that there's not something to be gained. We don't view the value and the importance of a relationship, that maybe for some of you, you keep people at an arm's distance because you don't want people getting close because you think, oh, I've got this. I don't need people to get through my life. I don't need close relationships. I don't need close friendships. Ultimately, people are just, you know, it's fine, but I don't need anybody. I've got this on my own. 
How often do we, during times of struggle, during times of crisis, during times when we're really going through it, do we push people away? In the very opposite of the thing that we know we should do, that we, when we need help and we need support, but we push people away because we think, I got this, I can do this on my own. Really what we're doing there is we're saying the relationship doesn't bear much consequence for me. It doesn't add much value into my life. And I push people away because ultimately I think that what I have is better than what I would have if I had a support system and people around me. See, but I think when we do this, when we assume that relationships are inconsequential, what happens is we take opportunities for granted, opportunities for God to speak hope and truth and life and encouragement into us, that we take those things for granted. So what we're going to see today, it's that through relationships, through our friends, through our family, through the godly relationships that he puts in our life, that finding encouragement for tomorrow starts with my actions today. That the encouragement I need, the things I need out of relationships, that when I, if I want those for my days, if I want those for the weeks and the months and the years to come, that it starts with what I do today. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to start by going back to our scripture in Hebrews 3.13, which says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The first thing that we have to see is we have to encourage one another. Let's say that together. Encourage one another. One more time like you're actually awake. Encourage one another. That's better. I need encouragement from my friends and family. And I think for all of us, when we think of encouragement, the first place our mind goes is to verbal encouragement. You know, the, the cheerleader type, you can do it, you're awesome, yay you, go get them, tiger. You know, that the encouragement, we think of that kind of encouragement. But I did a little digging into this word encouragement, and it actually has a much deeper and richer meaning than that. Now, I'm going to get like, you know, kind of, like Chris Foster is really going to appreciate this. So encouragement in the Greek is actually the word, I'm not going to say this right, but go with me on this, is actually the word paraakalio. And it means, the meaning of it is more nuanced than just, hey, you know, good job, way to go, you're awesome. But the meaning of it is actually more along the lines of to go to someone and to be with them, like to actually physically go to someone and to be with that person for the sake of comforting them, for strengthening them, and for exhorting them to build them up verbally. See, I believe we need to see that encouragement is so much more than just our words, but encouragement is our presence. That encouragement is our presence. That being there is the best encouragement. That being there is the best encouragement. Now, I see this because I have the privilege of being a pastor. Now, one of the things that, that I get to do as, as a pastor is I get to make hospital visits. And um, fortunately, you know, we don't have a ton of, of hospital pastoral care calls that happen, but, you know, they do come in to the church, and, and I get to do uh, those every once in a while. And I want to tell you something, man. It, it's an honor to get to go visit someone in the hospital, but the whole way there, guys, I am a nervous wreck. I am just, man, I get saved like five times in the car while I'm driving to the hospital. I'm, I'm going, and I'm just, I'm nervous. You know, it's like I'm sweaty. I just, I'm in no shape to see someone because I'm so nervous. Why am I nervous? Because I'm worried I'm going to say or do the wrong thing. I'm worried that I'm going to get there and I'm going to say something or, or do something that's just going to be so like, 
who is, you know, like, who is this? You're paid to do this? What? You know, it's like that type of thing. Like my mother-in-law in the hospital, broken arm, that I'm going to go up and say, hey, Bonnie, how you doing? High five. Oh, wait, you can't do that. You know, just that I'm going to do or say something stupid. You know, I remember I, I did a hospital visit a few weeks ago, and I, I just, I was so nervous about it that um, when, I, when I saw the person I was coming to visit, like literally, I, like words were trying to come out of my mouth. But, like, they didn't, and, like, I, like, you know when, like, five different words try to come out at the same time, and it's just like, you know that feeling? Like, I, I had that. I was like, either this guy's going to think I'm having a stroke or I'm speaking in tongues. But, you know, it's like something is seriously wrong is, is going on with me right now. But what I've discovered is that when I go visit someone, they never remember anything I say. And maybe for you, you know, you've been with someone in a time of crisis, and don't you, or you've had someone be with you in a time of crisis, isn't it true that you don't necessarily remember what they said, but you do remember that they were there. You remember their presence. Their presence is the encouragement that you need. That encouragement is so relational. It's not just, hey, you're doing great, but it's about building relationship and being there with someone physically, actually being in the same room and being across the table from someone. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews goes on. He doesn't just say encourage one another. But what does he say? To encourage one another day after day. Then we encourage one another. Say it with me. Day after day. See, I believe that drive-through encouragement is not as meaningful as dine-in encouragement. We all love the drive-through. It's quick. It's convenient. Get what I want. Don't have to take the kids out of the car. Get what I want and go. But when it comes to relationships and when it comes to building encouragement with relationships, we cannot just settle for the quick, convenient, easy route that we have to say that we're going to fight for dine-in encouragement and not drive-through encouragement, that we fight for that kind of encouragement when we sit and we, we take time and we build relationship. And even in America, I think we get this wrong. When I went to Europe a few years ago, man, if you go sit at a table at a restaurant in Europe and you get up after an hour and a half, they're like, what's wrong? They're offended. They expect you to have that table for the entire evening. But that's what, that's what I really believe dine-in encouragement's about. It's, it's about building relationships over time, over the course of the day after day, and not just settling for drive-through, quick-hit, surfacey, shallow relationships, surfacely shallow encouragement. What are some of the ways we do that? Well, I believe one of the ways we do that is we settle for thumb-to-thumb over face-to-face. Is that we settle for thumb-to-thumb over face-to-face. And, and man, text is great. Social media is great. All, nothing wrong with those things. But if we allow them to replace what we do face-to-face, if we allow them to take the place of personal interaction, then we've settled for drive-through instead of dining. I think one of the other ways we do that is we get so busy that, that we don't take the time in our conversations to ask open-ended questions. We ask closed-ended questions. Hey, did you have a good day? Yep. Any, anything new going on? Nope. Closed-ended questions. May feel good. Oh, yeah, no, we had a good talk. We, you know. But instead, when we have the time to have dine-in relationships, dine-in encouragement, we take time to ask open-ended questions. Hey, what's, what news going on in your life? Hey, what, what happened today that was really great? Or, man, what happened today that was awful? That we take time with our friends and our family to have conversations, dine-in encouragement that can unlock something new and something deeper relationally in our life. When we get pressed and pulled, our tendency will be to hit the drive-through, both with our food 
and relationally. We have to push back against that. We have to say, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for dine-in relationships, for dine-in encouragement. See, because when we take the time to commit to build relationships day by day, we see how God uses each other's presence in our lives to encourage us and to build us up. And I, I, I know, I think we all know that in our minds, but really we have to get to the point is we have to say, am I willing to put in the time? And I, am I willing to put in the effort to fight back against being pressed and pulled and to prioritize relationships with my friends, with my family, to prioritize that and not just rush through it, but to actually make that happen. See, I believe we need to get back and discover the lost art of hanging out. And over the summer, my wife and I, just for whatever reason, I don't know what got us on this kick, but we happened to, um, at night, we just kind of started going through uh, the sitcom Friends. How many of you guys remember the sitcom Friends? You know, no one told you life was going to be this way. Anybody? Like two people. Okay, that's fine. Um, so we watched Friends, and we, we managed just over the summer to make it through uh, all 10 seasons of, of that sitcom. So I learned a few things from there. One, we probably need to figure out a better way to use uh, of our time at night. But uh, number two, um, for those of you that watched Friends, you'll understand this. You know, I learned that Ross is the worst guy ever. Like, I don't understand how he even got with Rachel in the first place. Ross is the worst. And, and number three, there is just something so just appealing about people hanging out. Because what's the whole sitcom about? They're hanging out at the coffee shop. I mean, that's 90% of what happened in that show. They're hanging out at the coffee shop or they're hanging out at Monica's apartment. That's the show. And in all the great sitcoms, what is it? It's people hanging out. Seinfeld, Cheers, Big Bang Theory. They're all just hanging out. That there's something that we're drawn to about hanging out. And we used to understand this as kids. Man, we used to, as kids, as teenagers, as college students, we understand it. What are you doing? Oh, no, hanging out. Hey, you want to get to hang out? What are we going to do? I don't know. I'm just going to hang out. We just hung out. But as we, become, as we become adults and as we've grown, we get pressed and pulled, and all of a sudden, we don't just hang out. We have to have an agenda for everything, and there has to be a reason. And I think it's time for us to get back to relationships without agendas, that we just spend time with one another, that we just hang out. There's people in our life that we just hang out. Well, that sounds kind of boring, Daniel. Well, guess what? It might be sometimes. But here's what I believe, and here's what I, I really I think we have to fight for. It's that in, it's in those ordinary moments that God can do extraordinary things. See, we all want extraordinary things in our relationship. Man, I want someone just to speak that word of encouragement that I need. I want someone to build me up. Man, I want my soul to be fed. I want to get something out of it. And we all want these extraordinary moments. Well, guess what? You can't have extraordinary moments without having some ordinary moments. That you've got to have ordinary moments. You've got to have that time of just hanging out, of just being with people, just being with your family, of just being with your friends, of being with those people in your life. Because when you have that time, that's when you're giving God space to do something extraordinary. But if you're so busy that you're running from thing to thing and you're never building in just ordinary moments, just time of hanging out, time of hanging out with your family, time of hanging out with your friends, you're not giving God space to operate in your life. And no wonder why you feel pulled and pressed relationally. You feel spent. You don't feel close to people. And you feel isolated. And you feel distanced because you're not giving God space to work. He's not just going to drop extraordinary moments in your life. You've got to give him space to operate in the ordinary. And that's what we have to get back to. And that's what we have to fight for. And we have a choice to make. We have to do it while it's still called 
today. In fact, that's what the scripture says, that we encourage one another day after day, as long as it is what? As long as it is still called today. Well, it's still called today. I believe so strongly that relational isolation is the result of relational procrastination. That relational isolation is the result of relational procrastination. Any procrastinators in the house? You know what I'm talking about? The real procrastinator is like, I'll raise my hand later. <laughs> so easy to do. So easy to do. Over, over summer, we had this chance to um, go to mid-high camp. And, and for, you know, my, my wife had a, ch- a chance to join me for a few days. And um, the, the camp speaker and his wife were there. And we just got to talk. For some reason, we just kind of really hit it off. And I remembered one night, um, just kind of toward the close of camp, we were out in this golf cart, the four of us, together. And we just ended up talking out in the middle of this field in this golf cart at camp till like one in the morning. Guys, it was like a camp romance. It was beautiful. <laughs> and, and, you know, during that time, it was like, oh, we're going to, we exchanged numbers and we're going to get together and our kids are kind of in the same age. And man, we're going to have a play date and all this stuff. Have we done any of that? Nope. Kept putting it off. Kept putting it off. I think there's things in our life we intend to do but relational procrastination comes in. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll get to it later. And if we allow too much of that to happen in our lives, we're going to become isolated relationally. So what we, have to, what we have to do is we have to fight for doing it while it's still called today. You know, one thing I love about this church is we have done a really good job of eliminating the term, hey, I'll be praying for you from our vocabulary. Man, if, you, if you're around core church for long, you will see people out in our lobby praying for one another, just randomly, people in here just randomly praying for one another. I love that about our church because we've eliminated this idea, hey, I'll be praying for you. And we said, hey, if there's something that needs to be prayed about, we're gonna pray about it right then, right there. But I think we have to take the same step relationally that we need to eliminate, hey, we should get together soon from our vocabulary. And then instead of saying we should get together soon, instead of saying, and we procrastinate and put it off. Instead of putting it off until tomorrow, if there's someone that you want to get with, if there's something that you want to have happen, if there's the date night that you need to have happen, if there's that friend you need to have coffee with, if there's that kid that you need to spend more time with, instead of saying, well, I'll get to it later, that you make the plan right then and right there. That for some of you today, after service, you're going to be talking with someone, and you're going to feel that thing, hey, we should get together soon. Don't say we should get together soon. Pull out your phone. Say, when is a good time for you? Let's make this happen. Tuesday, what about Thursday? And schedule it and make it happen, because I've discovered if you don't schedule it then, it's not going to happen. So don't procrastinate. Do it now. Do it now while it's still called today. See, church, we have to make the most out of our time, because the day by day is going to pass one way or the other. The day after day, it's going to pass one way or another. And what are we going to do with those days? What are we going to do with that time? I, I want to illustrate this. And so hopefully this visual will help us from just remember the importance of the day after day because that day after day, no matter what happens in our life, it's speeding by. It's speeding by for all of us. And how we do it and how we live it out is really what's going to separate a life well-lived versus a life full of regrets. And so the average male in America right now lives to about 78 years old. Now what that translates to is approximately 28,470 days of life. And so 
This jar of marbles right here represents the average male life. Now, I didn't have the time, patience, or money to buy 28,000 marbles, so this is about 1,000 marbles. Can you just go with me, people, that this, this represents the days of life? Now, more specifically, this represents my days. Like I said, I just turned 36. And so what that means for me, if I'm going to live to 78, and God willing, a little longer than 78, that about half of my marbles are already gone. Maybe a little more. Whoa, that's, that's depressing. Oh my gosh, I'm having like a midlife crisis right here in front of 100 people. This is what I have. This is what I have left. Wow. This is so. This is what I have left, right here. This is this is the rest of my time here on this earth. What am I going to do with this time? How am I going to invest it? Who am I going to invest it in? How am I going to spend it? Am I going to allow myself to to just be pressed and pulled and put relationships off because ultimately I believe that you know they're really. Man, they're indestructible. Nothing's going to happen. That I've got all the time in the world. That they don't really matter that much. They're inconsequential. Or am I going to live a different life? Am I going to live a life of intentionality and purpose? Because the truth is, everyone in this room, you have a jar of marbles. Now, some of you, your marbles may be a little fuller than this. Some of you, your marbles may be a little less than this. But everyone in here, you have a jar of marbles that marks the time that you have left on this earth. And how are you going to spend it? Are you going to spend it well? Are you going to do something that's beautiful? Are you going to say, you know what? I am going to go on that date night with my spouse. I am going to spend that time with my kids. I'm going to do what I can to go to their ball game. I am, I am going to go to group. I'm going to get together with my friends. Or are we going to allow life to get busy and press and pull us and say, you know what? Oh, but I have to work. Oh, but you know... My spouse understands. We'll, we'll get together and we'll do that later. I just, I'm just too tired right now. You know, that, that's, that friend I need to have coffee, you know, they, they'll get, we'll, we'll get together later. It'll be all right. We have, we have time to get together. How are we going to spend our time and how are we going to spend our life? Now, let me, let me stop here real quick because some of you, this is the sound of marbles hitting that trash can it's doing a little something inside of you because this is, this is becoming a painful reminder maybe of relationships that are gone that, that you can't get back for whatever reason. And you, you see this and it's just, oh, I wasted that time. I can never have that time back. I wasted that time. Can I, can I just talk to you for just a second in this room? Is that if you feel that way and, you have, and you're living with hurt and you're living with regret and you're living with shame over how you've spent the time with someone relationally, and when it hits that trash can, you feel like, oh, that's me, and, and nothing good can come of that. that, that we serve a God of second chances, we serve a God of grace, that we serve a God of mercy, that we serve a God of forgiveness, we serve a God of healing, and if you are a Christ follower in this place, and you've given that to him, whatever you've done, however, you may, you may have been the one that damaged that relationship, you may have had that relationship damaged, whatever it is, if you've come under... Christ and you've asked him to forgive you, then God has forgiven you for whatever's happened here. 
And you don't have to continue to beat yourself up for it. You don't have to continue to live in shame and guilt and condemnation over it. That God has forgiven you. And in God's hands, can I tell you that this is not a trash can in God's hands, that this is a recycling bin in God's hands, that this is not wasted time, that this is not wasted hurt, that this is not wasted pain, that this is a recycling bin in God's hands. And what do I mean by that? That God can turn your hurt, your pain, your shame, your unforgiveness, all the things in your life, your bitterness, the wasted regrets, those moments you wish you could have back, that God can turn those things and he doesn't waste them, but he can use them so that the rest of your time, so that you can still live with passion, so that you can still live with purpose, so that you can still invest and be in encouragement with someone with the rest of your time here on earth. Because man, what I want is I want my time on earth, I want it to be spent well. I want to spend that time investing it in people. Now here's also the important thing. I'm not always going to get it right. Sometimes I'm gonna make mistakes. Sometimes I'm gonna be on my phone when I should be with my kids. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to make the obligation that I wanted to make. But instead of dwelling over the failure, I can allow God to use that, and I can allow God to make something beautiful out of my life so that the time I spend is a time that's poured out for him, is a time that's beautiful, is a time that's well spent, is a time that I spent investing in people so that when I come down to my last day here on earth, that I can look at my life And I can say, you know what? I didn't always get it right. I didn't always do what I wanted to do. But man, I spent my life and I poured it out investing in people, loving on people, encouraging people, asking God, am I doing what's pleasing to you? Am I doing what's pleasing to you? And then on this last day, I can look at my life and I can say, I lived the life that you wanted me to live, God. Well, here's the thing I want us to all understand is that none of us have control over when this day is. None of us have control over when this day is. But all of us have control over this day, over today, over September 2nd, 2018. You all have control over this day because ultimately it does not start on the last day, but it starts today. It starts today. And this day, this Sunday, right now, I'm not talking about some nebulous abstract idea called today, but today, Sunday, what are you going to do with this day? Because this day is either going to end up here or it's going to end up here. This day is either going to end up as a missed opportunity to invest in people, to spend time with people, to encourage someone, or it's going to end up as a chance that I had to pour just a little bit more into someone's life, to be present in someone's life, to encourage someone with my presence. It doesn't start on the last day. It starts today. So maybe there's someone here that you, you need to make that plan with today. Hey, you know, I've seen you. Man, I want to get to know you a little better. Can we, can we go do coffee? Let's, let's set up a time to do that and pull out your phones and you do that. Or maybe it's after church. You, you go and you, you have lunch and you say, you know what, honey? We've been talking about going out and, and doing a date night. We're going to do that this week. And you set it, you pull it out, pull out your phones and figure out how that works and get the babysitter and you just make that happen. Maybe some of you need to go talk to your kids. Like, you know, kids, I've been, I've been so busy, and, and I need to stop that. And so we're going to do this this week, and I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make some. And you just, what are you going to do with today? Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Because day after day starts today that we can live a life pleasing to God.